1: All
2: right, it's Wednesday. That's good. We're middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than when we were on Monday. And, uh, of course, we are now another day closer to a three-day weekend because most of us, if not all of us listening and talking right now, are uh, going to have Monday, the 4th of July off to, uh, you know, remember the birth of our nation, fire off a lot of uh, fireworks and uh, eat barbecue. That tends to be the things that we do on the 4th of July. In fact, uh, John Adams said we should be firing off fireworks. He said it should be a day of noise. That's what he said in the sky. So uh, bottom line, it would be nice to have some some fireworks to to shoot off. Uh, I guess you probably, well, I'm... I can't say that because that's assuming that you you watch the January sixth uh, hearings that are going on in the Congress, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched a minute of it. Not interested. It's a kangaroo court. Why do I want to watch that? Uh, they only have people that are there to follow their narrative. But yesterday they had a a lady on who worked for Mark Meadows. Uh, in the white house and she got on and made all kinds of of statements about president trump how he got all upset because nobody would take him to uh, the capitol building uh, when he gave his speech uh, there in washington dc and on the 6th of january and that uh you know, he was demanding that they take him there. He was screaming at people. And then uh, she went as far as to say that basically she started, uh, he started, you know, causing so much problems that he tried to wrest the steering wheel out of the secret service man's uh, hands, who was driving the presidential limousine, which is, you know, called the beast because it's so armor plated, plated and all that. And, uh, You know, hit him and uh, was assaulted him and and all kinds of stuff. Well, uh, the guy who drives for the president, who uh, who was there on that day, who they said that he was hitting and screaming at and hurling expletives at and everything, says, put me under oath and I'll tell you that that all was a lie. None of that even happened. So that's going to be interesting. See if Pelosi, see if the committee uh, calls the, the Secret Service agent uh, to get on and to um, say what happened. I, I'm not holding my breath on it. Just so you know, but you need to know that part of the story uh, that went down. The person who was involved. This is hearsay of what you just. I just told you about the lady she wasn't there she was told and she related what she said this is not like a court of law that you're having uh up there in in dc you know this is star chamber stuff this is the kind of stuff that uh the baby boomers when we were kids we heard that they used to do uh in the soviet union you know they'd They'd charge you with something. they march you in front of a quasi-judge. You'd stand in front of the court. They'd read the charges to you. They'd bring all these people up and would collaborate uh, the charges. And you couldn't make a defense. You know? And then you'd be found guilty and you go off to the gulag or you sit down in a room and they, they'd give you a bullet to the back of the head. I mean, that's the way they, they were doing things. I probably... They do a lot of those same things uh, today. So just just keep this in mind, watching what's going on. It's it's really to be honest, uh, it, it is very distressing to see what our government is doing now. Uh, they you know they they should get little red sil- or little gold stars that they can put on their collars, or little little black lightning bolts. Either one uh, would would cover it. All right. The story that came out yesterday, and there 's a lot of these stories, and they kind of all tie together so i 'm going to give them all to you uh, as we go along here on the Dave Ellswick show today. Uh, Amazon has employees that are demanding that the company stop doing business in pro life states. They want time off as well uh, to uh, to grieve because of the Supreme Court. Uh, decision that happened last Friday about Roe v. Wade. The Daily Wire reporting that Amazon employees of, quote, all genders, unquote, are requesting time off to mourn the end of Roe v. Wade and demanding that the company cease operations in pro-life states. Now, how many states is that? Well, as of yesterday... 26 states have banned abortion in the United States. All right, 26 states. So what these people are saying is, we want to stop doing business with half of the states in the country. Uh, But, look, I I think you should take this story as a grain of salt. It's being reported in the media. but, But how many people... Does uh, Amazon employ? Well, as of yesterday, because I looked this up, 1.1 million. And they're saying hundreds of people of all genders have uh, signed the, this, this, these letters about not uh, working in red states, basically. Uh, those who have banned uh, abortion. Uh The e-commerce giant said last month that it would cover as much as $4,000 in expenses for employees traveling across state lines to procure an abortion. Uh, Libs of TikTok said that hundreds of Amazon employees signed an open letter to Amazon leadership demanding they cease doing business in states where abortion is illegal And then, of course, requesting time off to grieve the Supreme Court ruling. Don't be worrying your little head that here in Arkansas, suddenly Amazon trucks are going to disappear from the streets and they're not going to be uh, delivering packages uh, to uh, homes in uh, Arkansas. To stop doing business with half of the states of the union would be tantamount to committing uh, corporate suicide. So I'm not expecting that to happen anytime soon. Uh, I think that what Amazon should do, the people who have, are demanding that they quit doing business with those folks, uh, tell the people that you can either deliver the packages and make uh, the time frames that you're supposed to make and deliver the amount of packages that you're supposed to deliver or get fired. And then all of you can get together and start your own delivery company to just the uh, the companies that uh, are offering this in the states, you know, offering abortion. So it's just about, what, 22, 24 states. I mean, we're about a 50-50 split there. So uh, you can start your own business then. I mean, that's what you need to do. If you don't like what the business is doing, then quit. Go get a job with somebody else. Okay, other news going on about uh, how people are reacting to what the uh, Supreme Court uh, did. Uh, Catholic Vote is uh, uh, telling folks that more than 30 pregnancy resource centers and offices of pro-life groups have been attacked since the draft of the Supreme Court opinion overturning Roe v. Wade was leaked in early May. Pro-abortion domestic terrorists have claimed responsibility and are promising more attacks in a, quote, summer of rage. Uh, The Pregnancy Resource Centers, which provide free medical and financial support to pregnant and new mothers, have been spray-painted with pro-abortion and anarchist messages and symbols. Several have been set on fire. Other pro-life groups which advocate for the right to life have also had their offices vandalized. The attacks appear to be organized under the umbrella of two domestic terror groups, uh, Jane's Revenge and Ruth Sentas. Interesting that they picked up Ruth Sentas because Ginsburg said that uh, Roe v. Wade was going to fall because it was uh, was built on sand, on judicial sand. That's what she basically said, and that uh, it would be overturned. And when she made that statement, she didn't believe it would take him a long time to do it. Uh, Now, these two groups have arisen since the Supreme Court opinion leak was published on May 2nd of this year. Many of the attacks have similar messages, including, If abortions aren't safe, neither are you. Also being reported out of Portland, the Mom Child PDX Center was vandalized and smashed up by Antifa at a riot overnight. The center provides free services to expecting and single parents facing housing and refugee issues, domestic violence, and poverty. Antifa view them as an enemy. Uh, The Reverend Dean Nelson, the uh, Blue Ridge Pregnancy Center in Virginia, was vandalized by pro-abortion domestic terrorists. This type of destruction does nothing to scare the pro-life movement. It only strengthens their resolve, he said, to love and serve. And uh, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe at St. Patrick Parish in Philadelphia, served by uh, a group, uh, was vandalized last night. Uh, he says, would you please pray for those who are afraid, who are suffering, for mothers who need our love and care, and for conversion of hearts and minds. So uh, that that's a couple of stories. I got another one for you when we come back. Another sto- another uh, company has gone woke. I'm kind of surprised by who it is. I'll tell you uh, what the store's name is when we return here on uh, the Dave Ellswick show don't forget about David Lucas he wants to help you learn how to handle gold and silver we've been talking about how do you protect your nest egg with uh, you know all the inflation that's going on and uh, things of that nature and the way to do that is to have about 15% of your savings in precious metals and uh that would probably be uh, the, the way to go. However, how do you go about buying silver and gold? I mean, who do you turn to? What are the companies that are you know, out there that are uh, you know to be trusted? Well, to find out all that kind of information and whether you buy certificates or whether you ask for the real gold to be sent to you, uh, call them at 501-222-3315. and the folks at David Lucas Financial uh, will help you learn how to buy silver and gold. Again, 501-222-3315, and uh, the folks at uh, David Lucas Financial works with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. So do it with somebody you know knows what they're doing, all right? That's the best way to carry on this business. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, which is an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, we're back with you, and uh, I'm time to bring you up to date on the news that uh, happened overnight or since I uh, left the air yesterday. It's 22 minutes after 6.00. And uh, when I was coming to work today, it was a very pleasant sixty-five degrees outside. It was uh, really nice and cool when I walked out of the garage today to check out the weather before I drove in to work today. So uh, it's going to be like that most of this week. I think by the weekend we should start heating up a little bit more, and that's not a bad thing. It is going on the Fourth of July now, isn't? I mean, first day of July is Friday, so we expect it to be. Uh, Getting it to the mid and upper 90s and maybe, you know, flitter around the 100-degree mark. But we'll wait on the 100 degrees for August. August is when the fire will really, really start. So we'll keep that in in mind. So most of us, a three-day weekend is in store for us, and we're looking good, uh, looking towards that uh, well. All right, 23 after 6, another company has gone woke and i keep pointing out you go woke you go broke and that's been happening to a lot of uh, businesses they're losing a lot of money by uh, doing a lot of this kind of crazy stuff that they they've been doing well the latest company and this really kind of surprises me because they've been pretty this company has been pretty doggone uh conservative in their business dealings but kroger has now said that they will cover travel expenses for their employees seeking to abort their baby. Uh, uh, you know, people want to abort their baby. They'll pay $4,000 in travel expenses. This from the Washington Examiner. Grocery retailer Kroger is going to pay for travel expenses associated with having an abortion. A representative for the grocer Told a local Cincinnati outlet on June 14, we communicated directly to plan participants to provide them with clarity so they can make health care decisions that are right for them. Unquote. Please don't call abortion a health care uh, decision. Uh, it's an end a life decision. Okay. Uh, The spokesperson explained that employees at the stores can reportedly receive up to $4,000 in coverage for health care and travel for reproductive services, which includes abortion. In response to the recent draft opinion leak and subsequent ruling, employees have been asking about their coverage, according to this spokesperson. So uh, Kroger, uh, another uh, business that will join uh, the ranks of the woke uh, out there. So keep that and get that uh, in mind. And then finally, AOC has encouraged women to bypass abortion laws. And she's been providing resources on how to do it. Uh, This is from the Daily Wire. Congresswoman uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is encouraging women to dodge abortion laws in red states following the Supreme Court's decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. The uh, Congresswoman has repeatedly posted infographics discussing how women can obtain abortion pills in red states that ban abortions. Now, I got a question for you. And... um, I'm hoping that she's putting some kind of disclaimer on this. Uh because if I were her, I put down I'm not a doctor. Um uh, and uh this is just an opinion. Uh take these pills at your own risk, something like that. Because if if a woman takes uh you know these pills and something happens, I would think that they might be able to bring uh suit. Against AOC because uh, you know she's telling them this is you know, look this is the way you can do it you can get around it and if you start doing that you uh, you'd leave yourself open for uh, for litigation so I'll be interested to see if she ends up in court uh, the congresswoman has repeatedly posted infographics and they discuss how women can obtain abortion pills in red states that bans abortions AOC says quote hello. Republicans are mad because I am sharing this information. Too bad. Freedom of choice is an inalienable right. Your bodily autonomy belongs to you. Link to my full IG story on how to protect yourself, plus get access to abortion in a post-Roe world. That was on her Twitter feed. So uh, she's not doing anything to protect herself, so uh, she might find herself in some deep kimchi before... Uh, That is all over with. All right, rest of the show, we'll come back. I got some other stories that we'll talk about. Uh, But coming up at 7 o'clock, we'll hear from Congressman Hill. Uh, We will talk to him about uh, issues that are affecting you. We'll talk about inflation. We'll talk about gas prices. Uh, We'll talk about uh, the Roe v. Wade decision of last Friday, the gun decision last Thursday. We'll talk about the uh, uh, school choice bill uh, that was affirmed uh, up in uh, in Maine. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the prayer issue with the football coach. There's a lot to talk about right now. And then at 735, uh, we're going to talk to Bruce Westerman, Congressman Westerman, District 4. And uh, we'll talk about a lot of those same issues and get his take on them. A lot of things to talk about. In the second hour, in the third hour, uh, one of the big things that have been going on since uh, the uh, financial uh, meeting of the legislature last or uh, this year uh, is getting ready for next year for the General Assembly to come together again. that happens every two years, and what's going to happen with broadband? You know, they're supposed, to, they're supposed to expand broadband here in the state of Arkansas. And uh, Stephen Meeks, state representative, has been uh, involved in that. He's been on my show many times talking about it. We'll see what's new uh, going on with that and what we can expect that uh, the um, uh, General Assembly will start putting together come uh, uh, the beginning of next year. But right now, let's get some news here on the Dave Ellswick Show all right back with you we move into the uh, second half hour of the show glad to have you with us we've been keeping you up to date on what's going on in the news i'll bring you up on a little bit more of it in just a moment i need to tell you about east end towing east end towing is ready to help you if you find yourself stranded on the side of a road somewhere or you get in your car or you're getting ready to go to work from your house and you hit the key and or push the button and you get click Uh, If that happens, call them. Uh, They've got road service, and they have towing service, and they'll come out and change a battery if you need to have that done. Uh, They'll determine what the problem is and help you uh, (coughs) take care of it. Uh, They'll come on the side of the road and pick you up as well. All you have to do is call them, 501-888-8849. That's uh, 501-888-8849, Arkansas Towing, uh, East End Towing, are part of the Arkansas Towing Recovery Board. They're licensed, they're insured uh, on all their towing operations, and every one of their trucks is permitted. Uh, On top of that, they're working with you uh, to make you aware that when you see those yellow flashing lights along the side of the road, that means... That there's a tow truck working on the shoulder and that you need to give them room move away from them into a you know a, a, a lane that's further from them so that they don't have to worry about you hitting them while they're doing their assistance on the side of the road uh, that's east end towing their phone number is 501-888-8849 Dave Ellswick Show, uh, next story that we're going to get to that broke over, overnight, been reported overnight. One of the um, major stories that they want you to be aware of is uh, what's going on uh, with Finland and Sweden. Remember a, a few weeks ago, I told you that Finland and Sweden wanted to be part of NATO, uh, but there were some problems with Turkey. Well, uh, the Turkish president now agreed that he will lift his objections to Sweden and Finland joining NATO, paving the way for the two Nordic nations to begin the process uh, to uh, join uh, the defensive coalition. Uh, Driving this news, the leaders of the three countries signed a trilateral memorandum on the sidelines of the NATO summit in Madrid, confirming that Turkey would support Sweden and Finland's access, uh, extension uh, after weeks of uh, negotiations over counterterrorism and arms exports. The big picture is this. Sweden and Finland moved rapidly to apply to NATO in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, reversing decades of security policy and opening the door to the alliance's ninth expansion since 1949. The Associated Press are reporting that Turkey hailed uh, the agreement that they made as a triumph, uh, saying that Nordic nations had agreed to crack down on groups that Ankara deems national security threats, including the Kurdistan Workers' Party, or the PKK, and its Syrian extension. It said they also agreed not to impose embargo restrictions in the field of defense industry on Turkey and to take concrete steps on the extradition of terrorist criminals. Turkey has demanded that Finland and Sweden extradite wanted individuals and lift arms restrictions imposed after Turkey's 2019 military incursion into northeast Syria. The uh, Swedish foreign minister told reporters that all the parties showed an incredible willingness to get there and were constructive and, quote, made it clear that we take these concerns about terrorist attacks seriously. That's something to uh, keep in mind. That's a, that's a big deal that they were able to get around that. If you didn't hear, uh, yesterday a judge sentenced. Uh, Maxwell, uh, Lane Maxwell, who had uh, facilitated uh, the trafficking of teenage girls to Jeffrey Epstein's uh, trafficking ring, uh, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Now, I think she's 60, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so she got 20 years in prison for her role in facilitating uh, former fan, uh, fr- financier's uh, Jeffrey Epstein's abuse of several underage girls. Maxwell, the former Epstein girlfriend and confidant, was found guilty on five counts, and those included transporting a minor for the purposes of criminal sexual activity, conspiring to entice minors to travel to engage in the illegal sex acts, and perjury related to statements she made in 2016. The former Epstein associate said that meeting the millionaire was the biggest regret of her life. It wasn't during the time she was hanging with him, though. Now it is because she's going to prison because of him. So just keep that part of that whole story uh, foremost in your uh, in your mind. And uh, and now a majority of Americans say gender is assigned at birth. Uh, This has been going up and up every year. As more and more of the science comes out, more and more Americans now say your gender is assigned at birth and that athletes should compete on basis of their biological sex. This is according to Pew Research. Roughly uh, eight in 10 U.S. adults now say there is at least some discrimination against transgender people in our society And a majority favor laws that would protect transgender individuals from discrimination in jobs, housing, and public spaces. At the same time, those folks say a person's gender is determined by their sex assigned at birth. It's not what you think you are, it's what you're born to be. Uh, That's up from 56% in 2021 and 54% back in 2017, according to uh, Pew. Uh, David Marcus, a a Twitter sphere person, said reality is finally winning, and the Pew Research Center, 58% of Americans would favor laws that would require transgender athletes to compete on teams that match the sex they were assigned at birth. 17% would oppose those laws, and about a quarter 25 percent neither favor nor oppose and they haven't made up their mind you know they're they're the ones that stand in the cereal aisle for 30 minutes trying to figure out what kind of cereal they want because they just can't figure it out Uh, they (laughs) they just can't make a decision anyway uh, that can give us all a little bit of hope that at least a lot of people are starting to figure uh, some of this stuff out and uh, that what we've believed for years and years and years isn't wrong, that uh, it uh, is is correct. Let me tell you a little bit about a buddy of mine. Um, His name is Eric Coleman, and he owns uh, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, and he's been uh, a part of my show uh, for about 20 years now, and I've been talking about his business. It's been around for 40 And Eric is a guy who loves to do jewelry. I mean, it's what he feels like he was called to do, was to do jewelry. He likes gemstones. He especially likes color gemstones. And Hillcrest Designer Jewelry stands ready to help you if you want something unique and built from scratch Eric is an artisan when it comes to jewelry, and he can help you do that. If you're wanting to, to have it, you know have some uh, repairs done on your on your uh, jewelry, he's got the plasma torches and all that stuff uh, right at hand there at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry at 3000 Cavanaugh to do it. Uh, he can he can do it all from A to Z. Uh, if you're looking for wedding and engagement sets, and I've talked about this for a long time, don't go to the big stores. I'm just telling you, you go you go see Eric. Eric has got all kinds of loose diamonds, loose rubies, loose emeralds, you know, amethysts. You name the, the stones, he's got them. And uh, you tell him what you're looking for as far as a wedding or an engagement set and he can put it together for you and he will save you Buku's money save that you know keep that saved money that you're getting back from him to go on your honeymoon so that uh, you just don't blow the bank completely uh he takes care of real estate sales if you got a lot of uh jewelry that you know from your family uh take it over to uh Eric and he'll appraise it for you he'll tell you what it's worth if you want the cash, you can do that. If you want to do a, a, a trade, he'll give you uh, extra money for it. And uh, you can buy uh, jewelry that he has on display as well. Don't forget, he also does custom designs. 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard and Suite E. Uh, they're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. And if you'd like to you know, call him and make an appointment to meet him, you don't have to. You can just show up. Uh, during normal business hours. But if you want to set a time, go ahead and give him a call. 501-246-3655. That is Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, let's finish up this uh, this hour. Uh, here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget, coming up at seven o'clock, Congressman French Hill will join us at seven thirty-five. Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman will join us, and then at nine o'clock, the final hour of the show today, uh, we'll be talking to State Representative Stephen Meeks. And uh, one of the main things that I'll talk to him about is going to be broadband. And where is that here in the state? He's been involved with this for years now. I would say four or five years he's been trying to get this done here in the state, see where we're at now and uh, what are some things we can probably uh, expect to see in 2023 in January when the uh, General Assembly gets back together. Final uh, story to to touch on here uh, during this uh, half hour. Former Trump White House lawyer Eric Hirschman, delivered a damaging blow to Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony against former President Donald Trump Tuesday as he claims that he wrote the handwritten note that Hutchinson told the uh, January 6th House Select Committee that she wrote. Uh, The note that Hutchinson claims that she wrote stated, quote, "...anyone who entered the Capitol without proper authority should leave immediately." Hirschman is claiming that a handwritten note regarding a potential statement for then-President Donald Trump to release during the January 6th attack on the Capitol was written by him during a meeting at the White House that afternoon and not by White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson. ABC News reported this on their news last night. At uh, Tuesday, January 6th committee, this is quote now committee hearing, Representative Liz Cheney displayed a handwritten note which Hutchinson testified she wrote after Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows handed her a note card and pen to take his dictation, unquote. One source familiar with the matter confirmed to the uh, Daily Wire that Hirschman is claiming that he wrote the note and not Hutchinson. Quote, the handwritten note that Cassidy Hutchinson testified was written by her was in fact written by Eric Hirschman on January 6th, the spokesman for Eric Hirschman told ABC News. All sources with direct knowledge and law enforcement have and will confirm that it was written by Mr. Hirschman. Hirschman is a widely respected attorney who uh, came out of quasi-retirement to uh, protect uh, Trump against those around the president who were giving him bad advice. Quote, anyone that has ever worked with Eric Hirschman knows that the handwriting on that note is his. That's a political strategist, Arthur Schwartz, and he wrote that on Twitter. Uh, Cassidy lied through her teeth. And Liz Cheney knew she was lying. Quote, the credibility of the explosive claims that Hutchinson made during her testimony was further weakened on Tuesday afternoon when reports surfaced indicating (coughs) uh, that the Secret Service was expected to push back on claims that she made. Now, let's understand something here. This is what happens when you have a a kangaroo court. Where both sides are not presenting evidence, so you you hear what uh, uh, the lady says, and everybody goes, oh, you know, you can hear you can hear the people in the in the crowd, oh, ah, you know, kind of stuff, and uh, not that that way when these people are uh, talking to reporters and saying what she said was a lie, and uh, Pelosi knows this, and that's why she's doing this the way she's doing it. Hutchinson, a former aide to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, claimed that Trump on the day of the January 6th rally tried to get Secret Service to take him to the U.S. Capitol building and that he became enraged when they would not do it because the area was not secured. Hutchinson claimed that Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of the armored presidential limousine and that Bobby Engel, who was the lead security detail, had to tell him, sir. You need to take your hand off the steering wheel. Now, that's what this, this lady was saying. Hutchinson claims that she was told this information from Anthony Ornado, a senior Secret Service official, who was detailed. Now, look, this is hearsay stuff. Well, he said that this is what happened. And so now she's saying it to the committee. You don't know if it's true or it's not true. You just know she heard it. Remember when you used to be younger and you used to play that game uh, where uh, you would t- you would take a sentence? You know, Bobby uh, stole an apple. And you would whisper it into a person's ear at the beginning of a line of about, you know, 10 or 12 people and by the end of the the line uh, Bobby killed his mother you know this is what hearsay does it gets distorted it gets changed and you have all kinds of problems with it Uh, bottom line is executive editorial producer for ABC News added that the Secret Service is expected to come out today and deny all of Hutchinson's claims enough said but the damage has been done correct the damage has been done everybody says Trump went nuts Trump was grabbing the steering wheel Trump was pushing people around in the armored limousine character I'm the president take me where I tell you take me blah 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 and uh, it's a star chamber folks I'm just telling you what. a lot of the stuff that you're hearing uh, is uh, ridiculous it's not true at all and you got a lot of other people that are now going to come out and say that it's not true but they're not going to be invited to the committee they're not be they're not going to be sitting there in uh, prime time in front of the committee uh you know making all of these spurious statements i'd like to hear what mark meadows has to say about his former aide be interesting to see what she's what he says be well you know we uh we had to let her go early or something like that and we think that she's just a you know a disgruntled employee or whatever we would just be interested to see what has to be said but uh the secret service is backing up uh the president and his attorney saying that none of this happened none of it zip nada you know, did not go down. And uh, for whatever reason, this woman lied. And that Liz Cheney, and this is really uh, sad, uh, that, you know, an elected member of uh, Congress knew that it was a lie. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll talk to uh, Congressman Hill about it, ask him about what's going on in the, the halls of Congress about all of this. And and again, I I consider this kind of a, A star chamber or another term you could use, a kangaroo court that you're seeing uh, from the House uh, on the select committee uh, looking into January 6th. Because they're not taking everybody. They're cherry picking the people that they're having uh, to, uh, to speak to them. And the people that are speaking and are getting the coverage are the people that cover their narrative that they've been promoting. So keep that in mind. As you go through your working day and somebody mentions at the water cooler, hey, did you hear how Trump went nuts in a limousine? And they say, well, that's not a, that's not what the Secret Service says. They're saying that's not the way it is. They're saying it didn't ever happen. All right. Coming back with uh, Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman in the next hour, it's the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. With you on the second hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, Congressman French Hill is going to join us first here in this half hour, then in the next half hour, at 7:35, uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman will be with us. Uh, both of our congressmen have been uh, great about this. every week for the most part, unless they're traveling uh, for studies or things of that nature. They're here on the Dave Ellswick Show talking about uh, the news that's going on in Washington, D.C., and uh, giving you an insider view of all of this. And that's good for you to know all of this. So we're happy uh, to know it. Let's start off with uh, Congressman Hill today. Congressman, yesterday they had the uh, uh, committee meet again about uh, January 6th uh they had a, a a girl who was on there a young woman who was a i guess a person that worked for mark meadows she said that the the president was in the the limousine he was demanding to be taken to the capitol he was berating people he was shouting i'm the president basically do what i gd want done and supposedly was grabbing the the steering wheel and and whatnot and now uh, the, the Secret Service has come out and they've got the people that were in the car with the president and they're they are ready to uh, testify under oath that none of that happened. In fact, in the story I read today from ABC, uh, it said that Liz Cheney knew that uh, this Hutchinson, this lady, uh, was not telling the truth. This is really uh, discouraging if you're looking for the truth uh, in our country and uh, uh, I, I wish Mark Meadows would step forward and, and uh, tell us our you know about this lady who's making these uh, these different aspersions about the president
1: well good morning Dave good to be with you this just illustrates uh, why I believe that uh, I was right in my approach back in January of 2021 When I said if we're going to investigate uh, what happened in Washington and at the Capitol on January 6th, we have to have a fully bipartisan commission with equal membership, equal subpoena approval, meaning it takes both sides to agree to subpoena somebody, and do an equal investigation. Uh, And that's not what's happening here. Nancy Pelosi took everything in her office, her emails, her staff uh, offline. They can't be investigated or talked to at all about why the Capitol was not defended that day. And here, when you have uh, the uh, White House staffer up testifying, you don't have the right uh, for the other side to be heard. Uh, and so you get this very skewed point of view, uh, and then you're left with just people saying, oh, I'll tell you a different side of that story. And so you really end up uh, confusing people and not getting the facts laid out in a fair and authoritative way. And that's what's frustrating. But. My number one issue on that day is why did Speaker Pelosi not uh, allow the National Guard to prepare for supporting the Capitol Police if that was so important? President Trump had done that on Sunday. As related to the National Mall and downtown Washington, so why did Speaker Pelosi not have that on the Capitol? None of that excuses uh, any of the stuff that happened on that day. But it's just—I think this point yesterday illustrates why we could have done this in a much better way.
2: Yeah. Well, I—I I say that this looks a lot like when I was younger. What we used to say, the Soviets used to do. Uh, you know they'd put people on trial they'd stand them up in front of the uh, the judges and they they couldn't present a defense all that was presented was the other side they were found guilty and then they ended up in the gulag or worst case scenario in a chair with somebody standing behind them with a 22
1: yep well uh and uh, not a lot of that was new yesterday. Some of it was. I mean, we know about President Trump being mad in his dining room during the day. Uh, We know about uh, his uh, attitude that day, his behavior that day. I don't know that a lot of that was, was new. I really don't. But bottom line is, you're right, we're not seeing the full story of what happened that day down at the White House. And Mark Meadows, who has cooperated with that Pelosi committee by giving them text messages and emails uh, could be the person to clear it all up.
2: Yeah, he really could and I'll tell you somebody else needs to be checked now is uh, we we got to find out if, if the congresswoman knew about about all of this uh did she know they're saying ABC reporting that she knew that Hutchinson was lying. Hmm.
1: Well, it'll all, as my mother says, it'll all come out in the wash. we are going to know everything
2: with that. <laughs> that's true. I, I sure hope that that's the case, to be honest, because, uh, you know, I, Liz Cheney, I just think, has gone off the rails. You know, I don't know why, but she has. I've been I've been kind of expecting her to declare herself a Democrat. I mean, she's been talking to him so much. All right. Let's let's move on. There's more to talk about than just that. I mean, that's that's kind of the soup du jour of what's going on. The big story to talk about with you is what happened last Friday.
1: Amazing. It was uh, 50 years in the making and. um I know so many people who have struggled and worked and prayed and devoted their lives to the pro-life cause and were so gratified by the court's decision to really go back to what former Justice, late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, which was, Roe was decided wrong. There's, yeah. not, a, there's not a constitutional right to an abortion, and and that was uh, Ginsburg's biggest concern about that decision and rulemaking. And here we are 50 years later, and the court reverses that, uh, throwing this back to the states and the elected representatives to now um, deal with what is the best course of action here. So uh, the hysteria over the weekend about it uh, was just over the top, but not unexpected. And maybe Dave Alito gave the country a, uh, uh, not Alito, but whoever the corrupt staffer was at the Supreme Court for leaking the Alito draft opinion. Maybe they gave the country a a preview that it would have even been worse over the weekend if, if people weren't. Thinking that the court was leaning towards uh, correcting the error of, of Roe.
2: Does it bother you that that leak came in May and we don't, it doesn't seem like we're any closer now to knowing who leaked it?
1: Yeah, but I do believe that uh, the court marshals under the direction of, of uh, Chief Justice Roberts will get to the bottom of it and. Uh, what that did uh, to threaten our justices was outrageous. And uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, it's not technically, we've done a legal review, it's not technically probably illegal to have leaked that document over there. And so we're talking in Congress, how do we protect uh, work papers, work in progress, uh, confidential work in progress by the Supreme Court? So not only do we want our court justices to be protected in their personal lives but we think they it's essential that the court have privacy in their deliberation over many many months under super complex and frequently controversial topics
2: all right i gotta get a break in when we come back congressman let's uh, come back here and talk about inflation let's talk about gas prices let's talk about the border after what happened yesterday on the border and uh there may be a few other things like Sweden and Finland going to be in NATO. It looks like that's going to happen. Let's talk about all of that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Being joined by our congressman, 2nd District, French Hill, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about P.I. Roofing. Joel Johnson, his wife, uh, uh, Victoria, own the, uh the business. And here's what they believe in. They're godly people. They believe that they're going to treat their, uh, their clients uh, the way that God wants them to treat people uh, in an honest manner and in a manner that they can be expected that what they're told is going to be done gets done in a professional manner, uh, that the people that go up on your roof can uh, uh, know how to put a roof on. I mean, uh, Joel, before anybody ever gets on your roof, he gives them a test. They got to show that they know how to put shingles on and things of that nature and not just put them on any old way but be able to put them on the uh, pi roofing way they're the only people that have ever walked on my roof i've owned my house for almost 19 years been 19 years in august and uh, I, I had to put a roof on right at the very beginning it needed the roof replaced we did that and pi roof did it and then they just did it recently the last uh, three months because we had a hailstorm and in Cabot, and uh, they put the new roof on. And I shouldn't have to put another roof on that house uh, as long as I live. I mean, I'm 69. It's good for at least another 25, 30 years. All right, that's PI Roofing. You call them. I'm going to give you the number I call. Here's the special number, all right, that you're always wondering what it is. All right, the bat phone number, 501-707-3551. Yeah, that's how it's secret, so I'm telling it to everybody. 501-707-3551 or visit them online at piroofing.com. All right, let's get back with our discussion with uh, Congressman French Hill, District 2, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He appears here uh, just about every Wednesday uh, to take my questions and we don't typically talk about anything uh, that we're going to talk about, except maybe there's a meeting or something coming up that the uh, congressman wants me to help him promote a little bit. And in that case, I'll, I'll, I'll help out. But uh, all these stories that I'm asking about, these are just stories that have been reported, and I want to get his take on them. So let's go back to the stories. Yesterday, just outside San Antonio, just about 135 miles uh, north, uh, from uh, the border of Texas and Laredo, uh, 50 people found, or 51 I guess it is now, found inside a truck, and they had suffocated because of the heat, and there was no air flowing into that uh, uh, that truck. Uh, the uh, president's spokesman says that the border is closed, and this is uh, the coyotes' problem. Uh, Governor Abbott of uh, Texas said... Uh, that's just a flat-out lie, that the border is by no means closed uh, there with Texas. And, you know, we hear these stories, and they go on all the time, Congressman. This one just happened to grab the attention uh, of the of, of the press.
1: Yeah, I mean, the border is not closed. The border is wide open. Uh, the Mayorkas... Secretary of Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas, says we have operational control of the border. That is not correct. He ought to be fired. He's done a terrible job. President Biden's done a terrible job. And this is just an example of it. And let me link the two, uh, the statement from the White House with the reality. Those 50 people who were jammed into a uh, 53-foot tractor-trailer rig and baked to death, were came across the border, smuggled by the coyotes true probably spent five to eight thousand dollars each for the pleasure of dying that way mm-hmm. and the reason they 're able to get in the country and be so blatant about it is because our uniform people are all running. Uh, this amazing humanitarian operation, because Joe Biden doesn't control the border. All of our Border Patrol, our customs agents, are preoccupied in between the border crossings, dealing with these mass numbers, 1.7 million this year alone uh, in the fiscal year. Uh, And since he took office, 3 million people have been caught coming across the border by our uniformed people. So they are completely overwhelmed, and therefore the coyotes can bring drugs and uh, traffic, human trafficking into our country because they are, uh, have that opportunity, and it's, it's a disaster. Uh, we've got 50 people caught on the terrorist watch list. I personally, when I was at Tijuana border crossing a couple of months ago, watched fentanyl come across the border and the guy get caught. Uh, it's just it's chaos
2: yeah it, it really it really is i mean we're not making this stuff up it's happening in in real time did you hear the rest of the story about the truck i i was stunned when i heard this evidently uh the uh the coyotes the uh people running these people across the border now are going into san antonio and finding trucking companies and they're painting their trucks like the trucks that are owned legally copying the numbers off of them and putting those numbers on the trucks as well they're they're doing uh, you know they're, they're making uh, <clears throat> duplicates is what they're doing and then driving them across the border
1: yeah i mean you just can't imagine the cartel has better intel on the border than we have they are we are every crossing, every road, every every area is under surveillance by the cartel, and they have every clever mechanism, <laughs> and they're making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, not just from smuggling drugs, but from this human trafficking. Take uh, three million people times five thousand dollars coming across the border. Of course, they're not all paying coyotes. But you get the drift of uh, the estimate of how many millions of dollars are in those border state cartels.
2: Yeah, let's just look at it from our case of Arkansas. We have about three million people in the borders of Arkansas. What if everybody in the state of Arkansas ponied up five grand? That's a whole lot of money.
1: So, uh, look, this is, you know, there's so many disappointments in the incompetence and mismanagement and wrong political and policy direction of the Biden administration. We just never have enough hours in the day. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the fuelers of a hundred thousand opioids death in our country last year, fuels of lack of safety and guns on our streets. Uh, and he just turns his back to it. I was so pleased last week that a federal court Uh, uh, stopped his policy. He does have to arrest people. He does have to have ice arrest people and deport people. Um, we had the fentanyl dealer, uh, released in California. That's amazing. Uh, 150,000 fentanyl pills caught, caught him red handed. And he was released from jail by a probation officer with no contact with the district attorney or the sheriff that arrested him. I mean, this is just mismanagement in these sanctuary cities, and those sanctuary cities are encouraged and promoted by Joe Biden. All
2: right. With that in mind, what you just said, if we take the House and we take the Senate in uh, November, can the Congress bring this to an end?
1: We can bring oversight hearings on Mayorkas and each individual of these issues. And if we have both the House and Senate, we could use budget reconciliation to pressure the funding on the budget we do have the ability to pressure biden's priorities on funding and that'll be the way to debate it but i think you start dragging that tra- that secretary from homeland security up to the capitol every week i think the message will be delivered
2: and from what i've read is that republicans want to fire him uh, and get him out of there do you see that happening pretty quickly uh-
1: I do. I think uh, I do. I mean, he, he serves at the pleasure of the President, but we're going to encourage the President to recognize he's done nothing to secure the border. His Vice President has not done anything to secure the border and in, it's this policy is tragic because of the loss of life and drugs on our streets.
2: Now, President hasn't gone down to the border either. He needs to be fired, but we'll have to wait to November 2024 for that. Uh, let me just ask you to give us your thought about NATO and now, that, and now Now that Turkey seems to have given the green light for uh, Sweden and uh, for Finland to be able to join up.
1: Well, this is a huge move. Uh, Finland and Sweden, uh, since uh, World War II, have attempted to be uh, very neutral countries, although their militaries are are, are interconnected and have interoperable with NATO. So, this is such a major political decision for those two, Sweden and uh, Finnish people, to agree to join NATO. Finland has a huge border, obviously, with Russia. They have an amazing uh, impact on the Arctic, which is a source of uh, counter power to russia so this is a big deal it shows that nato is healthy and expanding and also i would say uh president trump's goal of every nato country contributing their two percent of gdp that looks like that's on track by 2024 too so uh nato has been reawakened by the aggressive illegal activities of vladimir putin
2: Yep. No, that, that's that's good news uh, you want to give people any good news about inflation or gas prices or is there no good news to be given
1: uh, no good news to be given there. If we could just uh, stop uh, the avalanche of spending by the federal government and unleash uh, the private sector's ability to hire people and produce energy, we might be able to get some relief. But I'm afraid this Fourth uh, of July is going to be up seventeen percent trying to buy a hot dog out there.
2: I got you, Congressman. You have a great Fourth of July. We'll talk to you next All the best week. Days. Talk to you later again. All right, that's Congressman French Hill, District 2, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Again, he makes himself available to us uh, during the uh, the 7 o'clock hour uh, to talk to us about the issues that are affecting you and me and everybody else around the world. And uh, when we come back after uh, we've got uh, Bill O'Reilly coming up, and uh, we got to make some money, pay some bills, and then we'll have uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman from the 4th District. And we'll talk about a lot of these same issues. I mean, they're, they're big issues. This deal that went down uh, on the border uh, by uh, San Antonio, these 51 people that were stuffed in a truck and suffocated, it was 103 degrees yesterday in san antonio i talked to my daughter yesterday that's where she lives and she said dad it was just unbearably hot yesterday nobody was going out during the afternoon well those people were and they were locked in the back of a truck and they all died and as the congressman said they probably paid five to seven thousand dollars each to be killed all right take a break here's bill o'reilly back dave Ellswick, waiting for bruce westerman uh, he should be uh, calling in uh, here in just a moment from Washington D.C. Got a lot of questions to ask him as well, so we'll see what he has to uh, uh, to say to us here on the the Dave Ellswick show. We just heard from Congressman uh, French Hill, and uh, we talked about a lot of different things with uh, with him. So while we wait, let me remind you about ICU protection. We've got uh, uh, some information I need to pass on to you about uh, Billy Mack, who is the owner of ICU Protection. He wants you to know you should call him at 501-205-1333 if you're looking for a a good security system for your house or for your business. He does both. I mean, it's his business that uh, takes care of Nuke One, you know, and keeps it secure. If you can keep Nuke One secure, you can keep your business, you can keep your house secure as well. I've got a couple of cameras now on my house. I've got uh, door and window sensors on every door and window in my home. Uh, Motion detection is there as well. And uh, I got one of those doorbell cameras now. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Maybe I can catch the, uh, the Amazon pirates that are out there once in a while to come up and take packages off of uh, your your porch uh, and uh, make off with them. Maybe we can get them on camera as well. But uh, look, if, if you want to feel more secure in your home, this is one of the best ways that you can do it. You just call 501-205-1333 and uh, Billy Mack or one of his associates, he's got people that work for him, of course, uh, will come out and talk to you about you know what you want on your house i mean you want cameras they can talk to you about cameras how many you want you want front door driveway side view of the house maybe where you know it's not very viewable uh in the the afternoon or in the evenings so, uh, if you want that they can help you with that as well and uh, you can keep uh keep an eye on people and what they're doing can make sure if the windows are opened when you're not there and you've armed your house uh, that it will set off uh, uh, the uh, the alarms uh, for your home it'll pop up on your uh, cell phone uh, if your camera picks up something it'll pop up on your cell phone and you'll be able to see it in real time and these are 1080p cameras these are really good cameras they're like what uh, your picture looks like on uh, direct tv so they're clear they're clean and you can identify people using these cameras uh if you call billy mack at 501-205-1333 they'll help you they'll send somebody else out, uh, out to talk to you and know this that if you go with billy mack and i see protection you only pay for the service all that hardware they put on your your house that's absolutely yours. You get to keep that at no charge uh, to you. Just keep keep that in mind. It's yours to keep. All right, let's move on. Again, that's Billy Mack and ICU Protection. That's who I use. Uh, I'm just telling you, I did my homework uh, and for you, and uh, you can uh, you can use them and uh, know that your house is going to be. Uh, taken care of, as far as that's concerned. All right, we we see that uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman has joined us now from Washington D.C. Congressman, let me take you from Washington to to Texas, and uh, let's talk about what occurred yesterday. They came across a truck. Uh, somebody heard some voices inside a a truck, and there were uh, fifty one people. Uh, that were in that truck and by the time they opened it up there were 51 bodies inside that truck and uh, the press secretary for the president says that the border is uh, closed Uh, abbott the governor of texas says that the president that is a lie that is not the case it's wide open and we got real problems and more of these kinds of deaths are going to occur your thoughts
3: yeah, well, it was just a terrible human tragedy, Dave, to think of, um, you know, the horrible death those people died inside that, that truck. And unfortunately, people are dying every day along uh, the southern border. And I guess it takes uh, some kind of mass death with, with 50 or more for the administration to even acknowledge it. But, you know, Biden saying that uh, the borders closed is like him saying Putin caused gas prices to go up or big oil companies are are raising the price of, of fuel I, I don't know why these people cannot take responsibility for anything they do they've totally ignored the border they've invited people to cross we've got record numbers of crossings and um, it's, a, it's it's extremely unfortunate when we see things like this happen
2: yeah now if that was a, if somebody had shot those people they'd be raising you know holy hell right now uh, congressman you don't I don't I don't hear the Democrats saying that we need to tighten up our borders, do you? Uh,
3: not not at all. And you know, they pick their tragedy and what they want to politicize <clears throat> and they run with that. But um, the bottom line is I think the number fifty one people died in the back of a truck. Um and probably needlessly uh did so. I don't know all the details on it, but it's um It's just another example of what's happening uh, in the dysfunctionality of the federal government in this country.
2: Yeah, let let me give you some uh, insight into it. My daughter and my son-in-law and grandchildren live in Texas. They live right outside of San Antonio. This happened just a few miles from them. And uh, I was talking to Tara, my daughter, and she said it was 103 yesterday in Texas. Lord knows how hot it was inside that truck. But those people just didn't die, you know. I mean, it's not—it's just not like it was a, a quick death. They baked to death inside that truck.
3: Yeah, and it's—it's it's horrible to imagine that. You know, um, these stories you read about children left in hot cars, but um, can you imagine people just packed inside of a uh, container truck with um with no way to get out in the heat like that it's it's inhumane um but are you going to see the biden administration do anything to secure the border to try to prevent that from happening again no they're going to leave it wide open they're going to let the fentanyl and the other drugs continue to cross and uh we're going to see see more of this and um I don't want to minimize the fact that fifty people died in a truck, but people are dying on the border every single yeah. day.
2: Yeah, five, ten. They find bodies every day along uh, the border, the southern border, whether it be in Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, or California. They're finding bodies yeah. every day, and uh,
3: uh, I was down there last summer when it was it was very hot, and the border patrol told me they had found a uh, uh, a mother and I think two two daughters. Uh, just days before that it died there in the heat uh, trying to cross. So it's not a, a one-off thing for people to die on the border. Now, the fact that it was you know, 51 people in the back of a truck, and it could be more from what I understand, um, it, it gets a little bit more attention. But it should be getting attention every day. Well
2: let me bring up something else to you. Another, another negative to talk about. I wish I had positive stuff, but there's not a whole lot. Well, there is one positive. Let me let me go to that. Friday was one of the most positive days that has happened in a long, long time. With what our Supreme Court found and returning, uh, you know, abortion rights legislation to the states.
3: Oh, it was a, a great day. Uh, you know, praise God, kind of day, and uh, you know. Thank him for his steadfastness, and for all the people who have have worked so hard, and uh, for the three justices that Donald Trump appointed to the court. It um, that matters, and you know something I didn't—I I thought I would see in my lifetime for because I knew um, Roe was wrong, but to see it overturned. Uh you know, it wasn't just that they upheld the Dobbs decision, they had a five to four vote mm-hmm. to overturn Roe and Casey. So it was a, a huge day. Now uh there were some uh some liberals having meltdowns in dc that day but uh as far as right and wrong and and good and evil and all that it was a great day last friday i agree
2: it was fantastic it really really was uh they they looked at uh the first quarter again uh to see where our gdp is bad news it fell 1.6 percent uh with that news all of that uh the things that the administration's been doing saying uh ah, a recession's not inevitable i'm telling you what when you hear that kind of information a, a recession is inevitable and in coming right towards us that light at the end of the tunnel is a train it is not the end of the tunnel
3: yeah and i'm not sure it's not not already on us um yeah i've been i'm actually back in arkansas this week dave and i've been out visiting with constituents and it's just the 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 stories i hear are like a broken record uh you know manufacturers that are to the point now that they're one breakdown away from not being able to operate that uh they've used every spare part they've uh, scrimped and searched and found every available spare part they can and they're just down to the point if something breaks down they can't get you know what used to be routine parts in the supply chain to get their keep their equipment running projects that are being delayed um, by months because they can't get the the uh, parts and equipment in. Uh, there's still a huge supply chain shortage. I was with uh, Senator Bozeman yesterday and we visited the, uh, the hydropower plant up in Clarksville and they've, they finally got all five turbines uh, running again, producing hydropower. Good but one thing one thing I took away from that was the, uh, the guys that were working in that facility who were my age or older. They said, we're the young people. We cannot get um, young people to come out here and work. And these are like federal government, high-paying jobs um, with great benefits, and they just can't get people to apply to work there. So people are just confused, like, what are we going to do, and and where are the the young workers out there because they're not going into any kind of – uh, Blue collar work, and uh, you know, their question was, "Who's going to run this when we're not here anymore?"
2: Now, I can understand that. I I talk to people who. Uh, Run, uh, you know, garages and they need technicians, people to work on trucks and cars. And they make a good living doing that and they can't find people to fill their positions, which means that instead of being a week out, they're two, three, four weeks out in working on people's cars. Our guest is uh, Congressman. Uh Bruce Westerman will come back, we'll finish our discussion with him on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now let's find out what's going on with our Travs. All right, let's finish up our discussion and our seven o'clock hour with uh Congressman Bruce Westerman. And uh Congressman, inflation is not slowing down to you know, Hill of Beans. It's it's still roaring. They're saying now uh, the average uh, cookout for Fourth of July is going to cost just seventeen percent more than it did last year.
3: Yeah, it's just a uh, it's a never ending drumbeat of uh, of increasing cost. And what I keep looking for are signs that something's going to change out in the future. And every sign I see, Dave, is that things are going to get. Even worse. Yep, um, I've, we've talked about what's happening to ag production across the country. Uh, you know, the input costs for farming are going up, which is going to drive food costs up. Uh, energy costs affect everything. We're still seeing, like I said, people who can't find workers. The, the supply chain issues, and at the end of the day, it's just going to mean that. The productivity and the supply is not out there, and the demand's still going to be there, so prices are going to continue to go up. And what we need to do is get this country back working and producing and um, you know, getting those shelves stocked so that uh, there will be enough supply to handle the demand and drive prices down. It's not, it's not really rocket science.
2: Yeah, it, it isn't rocket science, but you, you, you're talking Greek to this administration. They just don't understand.
3: Well, and Biden's talking about uh, you know removing the federal fuel tax, the 18-cent fuel tax. And I guess nobody has ever sat down and explained supply and demand to them. So if, what they're going to do is they'll drive price down however a little bit that will be for however long which is going to uh, um, not do anything uh, for supply and it's just going to put more demand pressure out there that's going to make supply even shorter and drive prices back up above where they were but uh, they're grasping at straws that's that's the thing i can say about this administration right now is they're grasping at straws and they don't really have anybody coaching them up on what kind of straws to grasp for
2: Yep. i mean look this happened under carter and uh they did the same things and it didn't change until we got reagan so i uh, assume that this will continue with the president that we have and that it won't change until we get uh, another another reagan in uh from the republican party if if I don't know if we can clone him or not, or if they did clone him, but if they did, I sure like to see him again. To be honest, because those those were good times when he got in there.
3: I, I sure miss Ronald Reagan. He was he was quite the president. Um, now did you notice all the the pressure relief on fuel prices when Biden uh, drained a lot of the, the strategic per, petroleum reserves? Did you notice how much that helped on prices?
2: Oh yeah, I mean it was huge, wasn't it? <laughs>
3: Yeah, we we didn't even notice it, and yeah, now we blip. got um, low levels in the, the SPR. So, uh, you yeah, know, he, he's either going to face the fact you got to go develop um, more oil and gas, or you got to get it from some other country, which that's the route he seems to be going. Or these prices are going to stay where they are. But honestly, I think they want to keep them. Oh yeah, high.
2: It's the transition, uh, Congressman. Come on, we're making a transition here.
3: Yeah, I'm not I don't know what we're going to transition to though cuz I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm for with all you. the above but they're not developing other kinds of energy either. I and, gotcha. And you know the warning is we're probably going to see some brownouts or rolling blackouts this summer in the Midwest. No, because there's just not uh, energy or grid capacity to handle it right now.
2: And just a year and a half we were energy independent.
3: Yeah. But not anymore. Yeah it it does take some uh some people that know what they're doing and it takes um planning and, and this stuff is not just waving a wand and sprinkling some pixie dust and and everybody's happy it it takes hard work and people that know what they're doing to make it happen all and right. when the government puts barriers in their way guess what it's not going to happen
2: all right i want to give you the last 2 minutes in november when we take the house back and I'm 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 going to say that's going to happen. You don't want to say it. That's fine. But I believe that we'll take the house back. You're going to be uh, head of the natural resources uh, committee. What are the first couple of things you want to do?
3: We're getting ready uh, for the oversight hearings that we'll have. I'm sending letters left and right to the administration. Um, Who knows what other crisis is going to happen between now and then? But right right now, if we were to, we would be having um, an oversight hearing on why we're not developing energy on federal lands. That's one of the first things we would uh, do, and we've got legislation lined up to. Uh, have hearings on and to mark it up and get it on the house floor and get it passed. So we've we've got a a plan. We'll hit the ground running. You know this um, under this Congress with this president. Fortunately, they didn't have a, a hearing until April or May uh, in the committee because they were so disorganized. But we'll be from the get-go we'll be passing bills and having hearings and making things happen so i'm looking forward to that
2: all right i'm looking forward to when you sit up there and you got the gavel in your hand and they bring a tiger bill up and just you can wrap it that way you can just wrap it out of order
3: the thing about that, it's it's not going to uh, come up Okay. <laughs> I'll have to say on what comes up in the committee. I have talked about putting a gong up beside the. Oh, that'd the, be good. See, yeah. You remember the gong show? I
2: do that. I put somebody up there on the the committee that we can win a uh, a paper bag. You know, put it on their head. <laughs> there you go. That that um, would work. That would yeah. work. We're out of we're out of time, Congressman. I want to thank you for uh, giving us time. You have a great Fourth of July weekend, and when you're back in the area, let's set you up to come in and sit down in the studio with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You have a good one now. You too, Dave. All right. Bye bye now, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we'll take a an hour break. Gonna let you find out about money. Money's important, so keep on listening. And to find out about your money here on uh, 1011 FM, The Answer. And then don't forget, 9 o'clock, I'll be back with you for an hour. And Stephen Meeks, state representative, will be with us. And I'm going to talk with him about broadband. That's all coming your way still here on 1011 FM, The Answer. Talking about my opening here, all right, and how long that's been around? That it's been around uh, 14 years now. Wow, yeah, it's been going for a while. Now, everybody, you remember what it used to be? Journey to the Center of Your Mind. You remember that with the Amboy Dukes and and right. uh, Ted Nugent? I right. used to use that, which I still like that song. It's one of my favorite songs by Ted. All right, that other voice that you're hearing in the background. Excuse me, is State Representative Stephen Meeks? Been a while since I've had Stephen on because with COVID and everything else that went on over the last couple of years, it's been tough to keep in touch. Of you know, really in touch like I like to uh, with elected officials. That's changed again now. I'm I'm getting in touch with them and getting them on. Uh, They've given me an extra hour again that's good and uh, we're going to use that extra hour to have different uh legislators on to talk about the upcoming session which is about what six months away yeah it's not yep. that far yep yep back in january okay. second second week uh second monday in january okay Second monday in january that's like the eighth isn't it i have no idea i think that's what it is anyway because we were looking at it yesterday, right. okay. I don't want you to think I got some kind of I got a calendar in my head or something. I don't. Uh, to, but we were looking at it because we're going to be over there again, uh, broadcasting live uh, during your guys' meetings and stuff. And we'll afford to have you, over and there. that's good because yeah. I it, people like that. They right. love being up, knowing what's going on, and uh, we get the people on that are the newsmakers and. You don't have to wait to hear it from somebody else. You'll hear it from the people that are running the bills. So yeah, that'll be coming up uh, during that time as well. The only time there'll be a week that I'll be gone, because we're going to go to CPAC this next year. We want to do that. And uh we'll do national uh, stuff then. But then we'll come back here and continue on. How long does that go until April? Usually. Okay. That's what we're looking at. Okay. Fine. All right. So. This is the guy that, and you know, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, uh, you know that Stephen comes on, and the main reason I bring him on, and one reason that, or one topic that he's really been uh, working hard on is broadband.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean,
2: he was talking broadband when a lot of people didn't even know what
0: he was talking about. Yeah, it's been since 2015, 2016. Yeah, you've started. been really yeah. at it, all yeah.
2: right, trying to get this done. And now the federal government now is for rural states mm-hmm. is starting to give you the necessary seed money right. to to put in broadband. Yep. So I'm going to just kind of sit back and just ask you the general question of where are we at right now? what 's going on? I know that there 's like a commission or something working on it as well.
0: Sure. Are you working part of, Are you part of that so uh, my role is basically it 's an oversight role being in the legislature obviously but uh, uh, I, you know I started this back in two thousand right. and fifteen and my committee went around the state, talking to the different uh, stakeholders, different uh, service providers, asking them, what are the challenges to getting internet out to the people? Were there and more than you ever imagined? There, there was. There's uh, about 75 internet providers in Arkansas. I mean, we typically only hear about, you know, four or five big ones, but there's right. actually quite a few, especially small and medium-sized ones. And uh, I always felt at the time that those small and medium-sized ones were going to be the key. To uh, getting this done, because a lot to a lot of our larger companies, Arkansas is small potatoes you know there 's greener pastures and, and more profitable pastures in other states, sure, but the companies that live in Arkansas that grew up here in Arkansas and Arkansas is their main focus, uh, I felt they were going to be the ones that were going to be primed to go out. The challenge that they had though is those small medium sized companies didn't have necessarily the expertise or resources to go after all these federal dollars like a lot of our larger ones did. And the challenge in those days was we didn't really have any state money to put into this problem because this is a, a billion-dollar problem, and our state general revenue was only about $5 billion at the time. So we're talking right. 20%, and with the, that money just wasn't there. And the couple times that I went and tried to get small amounts of money, it just wasn't there. Then COVID hit. And then the money really wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at first that was correct. But what COVID did, and if there was any positive that came out of COVID, is it showed us just how important the need for broadband is um you know when broadband first came out it was, it was a novelty it was a uh you know something nice extra to have but nowadays we understand the necessity the importance of broadband it's it's another utility like electricity and a lot of times that's what it was uh, couched as this is our version of the electrification problem that our our you know grandparents had trying to get internet out to everybody, and. Uh, so the federal government started making funds available to try to uh, get the internet out. Um, the first program was the RDOF program, and please don't ask me what the abbreviations stand for, no. Rural Development Opportunity Fund. Uh, but it uh, gave a six-year time horizon for uh, providers to install internet what year was that uh it was about four years ago okay so So, now you're you're within two years of you got to have it done by here right right um six years is a long time trying to get this done uh and so some of those projects are ongoing um unfortunately there were some of the companies who got that money that it fell through and didn't happen um But one of the challenges, and this all gets very complicated, but one of the challenges is those Ardoff blocks get blocked out of other federal money. Because as far as the federal government is concerned, those areas have already been taken care of, even though they may not have already been taken care of. Okay. So fast forward um, with the uh, COVID money. The state got uh, two large sums of money from uh, two of the large – was it the American Rescue Funds, whatever the two programs were. And – uh the governor wanted to put some of that money towards the broadband problem to try to reach some of these other areas and uh so he brought myself in the speaker the pro tem and um senator english and the governor asked me how much of this money should we spend towards broadband and I shot towards the fence, and I said, at least $100 million. Uh-huh. And I was pleasantly surprised. He said, okay, we're going to do $100 million. Wow. And, so you uh, always ask for more. Yeah, yeah. You, you start big and work your way down, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, but, you know, the governor understands the importance of this. And this is the nice thing about this issue. It's not a partisan. It's not Republican. It's not Democrat. Uh, everybody knows how important this is well especially now after covid and you had Mm -hmm. all the people doing all these kids trying to do their work on their computer right and and it's not even an urban rural rural divide because there are areas that are urban that have problems with this as well uh so it didn't matter Uh, Everybody knows the importance of this. So the governor approved that. We set up the Arkansas Rural Connect Fund is what it's called, the ARC program, um, to start doling out grants to those non-ARDOF areas. Because, you know, according to the federal government, that was already taken care of. So we had to spend money in. Other areas, other census blocks. Uh, Since that time, more money has come in through the second American Rescue Fund, whatever, you know, what they call it. So that money goes into the ARC program, and the the amount of money has now jumped close to half a billion dollars, $500 million. So in order to make sure we're spending this money wisely, we hired a consulting firm, the Broadband Development Group, to go out and actually – go to all 75 counties, talk to stakeholders, talk to mayors. We invited the uh, the general public to come in. Tell them what they were seeing so we could actually develop as accurate maps of the situation as possible. The FCC has maps. They are, everybody knows, understands, they are well, very inaccurate Um And so the federal government is actually in the process of trying to update those, and that update is supposed to be done sometime this fall. We'll see if it happens or not. Um, But we wanted to have our own map so we can develop our own master plan. So that happened. That took place. Um, What we found was we're actually in a little bit better condition than we thought we were. So that was one of the positives that came But obviously there's still a lot of work to be done. And so by having that updated map, those updated uh, resources, we can now target where we're sending our dollars to make sure we're getting our biggest bang for the buck. Um, So that is ongoing. So to date, like I said, we've spent over $400 million. Um, I've got a list of projects here if if that's something you all want to go into, and I can tell you some of the areas where that money has been spent. Um, The last number that I've got is since this money has come in, we have added broadband to over 40,000 households. Um, And the push here has been for fiber. Uh, Is is that – Okay, let me just break in because we're going to have to take a break in. in sure.
2: just a second, but let me just ask this question. I live in Cabot, mm-hmm. all right? They're putting down uh, the sleeves mm-hmm. for fiber right, right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, is that part of what we're talking about here? Probably, yeah. Um, I mean, it's going on all over the yeah. place. And, and and one of the challenges that that brings up, which is kind of a slightly separate issue, is finding the people to install the fiber. Because we've got all this money to do it, now it's a matter of finding the fiber and then finding the talent in order to get all this installed because all these companies are competing for each other for that same talent pool. Uh, so that's slowing things down maybe a little bit more than, than we would otherwise. But, yes, I mean, it's there are projects happening all over the state.
2: All right, let's take a break. Stephen Meeks is with this state representative out of the Greenbrier area. Yep. And uh, he'll be back with us and be with us for the hour. We're going to talk more about broadband. That's a big, big deal for the state of Arkansas. I'm just telling you, it's a huge deal. And we'll uh, discuss it. And uh, they're going to have to make some decisions coming up in the beginning of next year. So they're, the caucus is getting together and putting together what their game plan is mm-hmm. going to be. So we'll talk about what is that. When we come back on the Dave Ellswick show eighteen minutes after nine don 't forget about Pat Davis. he wants you to save money on your health insurance. I mean, are you tired of uh, going to the doctor and you got number one you got to buy a, you got pay a uh, you know um, what' i 'm trying to think of here you, you, you got to pay copay first uh, to get in to see the doctor, and then after you see them you 're expected to pay for the the time that you spent with the doctor because you have a deductible you have to meet, so what good is it to spend you know six eight thousand dollars a month for health insurance if you never touch your health insurance because the deductible is so high before you get into using your health insurance? Pat Davis can explain this to you and help you. Uh, not have to take so much money out of your own pocket in fact, sometimes get checks back from your doctor and get checks back from the uh you know the care center you're you're seeing or or the hospital you're going to uh Call him and talk to him about this five oh one six oh five sixty nine thirty five here's another thing you'll find you'd be nice is if you knew what the cost of the process was. There's, you're supposed to be able to do that now under Trump. They passed a law. Not all hospitals are following it yet. Uh, YourHealthPlanMan.com is uh, where you can reach him online. I highly recommend you call him today and start saving some money. All right. So let's get back to this topic about broadband. It's a really important topic. I can't. I can't say that enough because I remember when Stephen first attack this problem. And I remember you talking about, you know, trying to get cable into areas where uh, rock was and things of that nature and Mm -hmm. how difficult it was Mm -hmm. going to be to string the cable. Have we come up with
0: answers of how we're going to do that? Yeah, you know, kind of going back to that, uh, parts of that that people don't understand is it's not just bearing it which you know ultimately that's the best but sometimes through those rocky areas you're stringing it on poles right well there's actually fees that go along with it that that get paid to the utilities and there was a huge blow up about who should have right to those poles what safety protocols I remember that. and there was a huge fight over at uh, the public service commission over yeah. over that issue and so there's a lot of this stuff that happens in the background that generally the public doesn't see that's all involved in this um But uh, um, we've seen since that time uh, the uh, co-ops out in the rural areas have gotten really involved and are putting in fiber. First Electric? Yeah. I I don't know if them specifically, but but I know – uh, out of the 17 co-ops in the state that uh, many of them are now installing fiber in their areas to get it, get it out to their homes. Uh, so they're a, a new player that wasn't in the broadband space just a couple of years ago. So maybe you won't have to spend that money in those areas. That's true, yeah. Um, the uh, So, like I said, to date um, – we've got about 400 million dollars in investments going out uh we could see an additional billion dollars uh come with the this next round of federal programming uh so i you know i don't know that it'll get us all the way there but it should get us real real close um the challenge with this is it's you know like the rural electrification that last 20 percent you know going 2 miles out to the farm or out in the very rural areas that's the most expensive uh parts of doing this. Yeah and and, and you want you everybody.
2: Know. You don't right. want to leave anybody behind. Right. But
0: Money is money,
2: I money mean, yeah. that's way it goes
0: and, and you know and while the the uh, effort here has been to install fiber because fiber is future proof yeah they care yeah, yeah, it can you know w- whether you're putting one gig ten gigs, twenty gigs i mean uh with fiber, you can blend twenty thirty channels of light, and you know if each channel does a gig, there's thirty gigs coming out the other end, so uh You're not going to have to change it out in 20 years once you put fiber in the ground. Uh, But you know, to those last mile homes, um, one of the things that I'm considering is: would we be better off investing in satellite technology? I'm thinking of the Starlink systems. Mm -hmm. Um, With those systems, they're you know, from what I understand, you're looking at 100 meg throughput. Which
2: Is is that monk? Uh, uh, Elon yes,
0: that, Musk. Yeah, yeah Musk. I mean, Musk. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not Monk. Uh, no. Musk. Yeah. <laughs> Monk was a TV character. character yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Musk. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah. That's Elon Musk's Starlink system. They're still in development on that, but uh, it's working over in uh, Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. Um, and so there, there was some concern that uh, you know you're not going to get gig speed through a Starlink terminal at least under modern technology. But I don't know that you necessarily have to. I mean, a hundred megs, you can do. I mean, quite. A, I mean, you can stream. You can, you know, do your video conferences. You can do all that. So, right. um, for uh, the, the, I don't, I don't want to say trade off, but between spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get potential gig service versus spending $150 on a terminal to get 100 megabytes. You know, it seems like that. that's, would probably,
2: that's kind of a
0: no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll kind of see how that plays out going into the future. But one of the things that uh, the governor has done here recently, which is something I've been calling for for a long time is for us to have a state broadband manager uh, the gentleman that 's leading the program now is actually a uh, legal uh, legal person for the broadband and he's actually leading the broadband department. And what I've said is we always we need someone to be that leader, that visionary, because these maps that we develop, as soon as we develop them, they're gonna be outdated as we're doing so we need someone who's keeping an eye on that, someone who's being proactive and going out and talking to all these internet service providers, letting them know, hey, this resource is available, that resource is available, and helping them get those resources. Because as you and I both know, trying to get a grant from the federal government, you almost need a team of lawyers. And well, yeah, you, know, you, you
2: got to fill out the paperwork yeah, just
0: so-so. Hundred, yeah, hundreds of man hours of work goes into doing the engineering studies and any environmental impacts and yada, yada, yada. And some of those smaller companies just don't have either the time, the knowledge to, to go after that. So we need that point person who's going to go out. And walk them through how to get that, and also somebody who's looking at the big picture who can see that. Okay, well, company XYZ is already going into this area. Do we want to spend money so that company ABC can go over the same area? Um, and and you know, the idea would, be, would
2: be, nice, be: what would be nice is to get a president and a and uh, a Congress that understands that when you put all these rules and regulations in it causes problems mm-hmm. and
0: not put those rules and regulations right. Right. in yes and 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 allow us to have the flexibility to know to do what needs to be done so we can take care of our people and you know one of the one of the Uh, benefits that we have here in arkansas is we are the smallest geographic state on this side of the mississippi river and so theoretically we've got less ground to cover so we should be in better shape as far as trying to get internet out to our folks with the same resources uh you know a lot of people don't know this but arkansas was the sixth state in the nation to get all of our schools connected to high-speed internet and we have some of the best uh connection rates to our students of any state in the country uh the challenge of course as COVID pointed out was they don't have it at home and that's what we're trying to fix all right so keep
2: those thoughts in your mind as we take a break we got to get the news the local news here at the bottom of the hour then we'll return our guest is state representative stephen meeks from the Greenbrier area more about broadband don't forget about Easton Towing. You get stuck on the side of the highway, you call them. Put this number in your phone, all right? Put it under Towing or whatever. Uh, 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. These are the guys that know everything, no matter the situation you're, you're in. Private property tows. What do you do with the vehicle? Who do you call? Where does it go? What happens to your car, your boat, your truck, your camper? Whatever is involved. That's what East End Towing knows about. 501 888 for East End uh, Towing. All right, let's uh, get to our last half hour here of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Wednesday. Hump day, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, we are closer to Friday and a three-day weekend than we were on Monday. And our special guest is State Representative Stephen Meeks from the Greenbrier area, and it's good to have Stephen in. He is the man that I always talk to about broadband. I remember when he came out of the meeting uh, of the of the legislature and said that uh, he was going to lead the charge on him mm-hmm. and he was really excited and uh, that has not worn off and that's nope. good that's good i'm
0: yep. glad to see that yep. you're still still hot and bothered about this oh, issue. sure sure um let's uh... Obviously, like I said, it's been a passion of mine, and uh, I'm glad – I'm proud to be able to lead the charge on this. And, uh, you know, we were talking during the break that uh, one of the benefits we have here in Arkansas is because we're the smallest geographic-sized state on this side of the Mississippi River – there's no reason why we shouldn't be one of the first to be able to complete this, uh, especially with all the influx of money that's coming in, with all the different organizations and groups that are working on this. Uh, you know, my hope is that we would have this done sooner rather than later, and it's de- definitely a work in progress. And here's what's important about this:
2: you get this kind of technology going, mm-hmm. and I know some people want to hear this, some people don't want to hear this, but I'm for you who like. Uh, technology. I'm not a ludite by a long st- mm. stretch of the imagination. I like technology. Of course, I always preference it that with, mm. when it works. But uh, I like technology, and if you're on the cusp for technology, you will draw business to oh, your sure. state. Oh, a
0: huge economic driver.
2: Yeah, and that will that will be massive. And mm. on top of it, if we've got it here, then the people who are going to school here yeah. understand
0: it, and they're ready to fill the jobs that industry needs. Sure, sure. You know, an and industry is not going to move to an area where there is no broadband and go to the complete opposite side of the spectrum. If you're somebody who's in a rural area and you just want to make quilts or sell jams yeah. on Etsy, you could. that opens a worldwide market to you and uh, is a huge benefit to our state. You might uh, be able to make a living off of it. True. There, there, a a lot, lot of people you, do. A lot of people do. Yeah, you bet. Uh, you know, and the other aspect of it that um, you kind of brought to my attention is one of the other challenges we're having in the state as part of this is as broadband becomes available – the number of people that are taking it in the state is actually lower than what we're seeing in other states so the uptake is is a little bit lower and so one of the uh, other pieces that uh, myself and other members of uh, you know who are interested in this are working on is how do we engage in public education so that people who are not familiar with the internet know the answer to the question why
2: the same way you did coding
0: right you had a big push a a few years
2: ago about coding and Mm -hmm. suddenly arkansas was like top five and and then we were number one
0: yeah yeah and so you know it's kind of like when uh, i first got my got a smartphone for the first time my wife uh, she didn't see need for it had no interest yeah thought she would never want one well, then now I made she, her. Now she's got one. Then I sure. made her get one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and you know the rest of the story there. Sure. And uh, so I think the same as uh, we have with broadband. People who have never had it before don't always understand the benefit that it brings until they get it. And uh, so, you know, we, if you've got broadband, you understand all the benefits it brings, everything from being able to stream the the local news to, you know, what's the weather going to be today, all the way to the economics, the education. And, you know, as we learned during health care, uh, doing health care through telemedicine now, a huge game changer, especially in our rural areas. Uh, we've actually had some fights in the legislature about should should telemedicine even be allowed, then COVID hits. I do remember that. And now we have telemedicine. See, this is one
2: of the good things about having a talk show host that's been around since 2000. Mm -hmm. I I have a pretty good memory. The memory. Oh, yeah. And I remember a lot of the fights that we've gone through. Mm -hmm. And now we're on the other side of them. And we had won those fights. Mm -hmm. And it's good that
0: we won those fights. Yes. Has pushed uh, Arkansas forward, pushed the technology forward, and has gained us some national attention because of that. Yeah. I'm all Um, all about what you're doing. And and I'm happy
2: about it. I'm going to have you back on in the future to talk about this. Um, I'll definitely have you on
0: again before January. Okay, tell you that. And uh, before we switch topics, I would encourage folks who are interested in this. If you go to broadband.arkansas.gov, that's the state's broadband page. Uh, If you look under the ARC program, which stands for Arkansas Rural Connect, you can actually find a list of all the grants that have been let out, and you can see the maps. You can see maps of your county to see see where they're doing the work at. See where work's being done, and see where we think broadband does exist and does not exist so all that information's on there speed test so i would encourage your listeners that are interested in this cool. topic Gov. that's cool that's yeah. cool
2: yeah. okay I'll be doing that this afternoon. I'll be speed testing. There you go. I love speed testing. That's good stuff. All right. So let's move on. Uh, Again, we're less than a year away from the next General Assembly, uh, and uh, it's going to be a great General Assembly, Mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, I had Alan Clark on last week, and he and I were talking, and he said uh, he believed that this would be the most conservative Arkansas mm-hmm. legislature that had ever convened mm-hmm. uh, for a general session. You're going to have a brand new governor. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's going to be Sarah. I do too. You know, I think she'll win hands down, <laughs> easy. Yes, and uh, she's uh, you know she's not sitting still right now. I'm just telling y'all, she is making plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what's going to happen in January when the the, the general assembly gets together, because she's got to hit the, the the ground running after sure. November, yeah. she got to be ready to go. She's got her she's got part of her team already put together. There's more of that team that will go together. And I've understood when you guys have caucus. Now caucus means that the guys are meeting. Okay, that's mm-hmm. just, an, just a we term. get together and talk, yep, yeah, and talk about and stuff. talk yeah. About stuff and talk about what they want to. What, what are the main things that they want to deal with and things of that nature? And I've understood that some of uh, these people that are working with Sarah have been talking to you all mm-hmm. about this already. Mm-hmm. Uh, taxes has been one thing mm-hmm. that's been discussed. Mm-hmm. Education's another mm-hmm. thing, evidently, that's being discussed. I'm going to assume that broadband is something oh, sure, that, that's being discussed as well. It's important. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, when when you when you guys start meeting in January, what do you think? What do you think is going to be? Here I'm hearing two distinct discussions about all the money that's sitting mm, there. Right. There's people who want to spend some of it. Sure. Okay. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have uh, Tim Griffin on on uh, tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, uh, for a while, and we'll talk to him uh, about. Uh, prisons Mm -hmm. because he thinks some money needs to be spent for beds and Mm -hmm. we'll get him on and talk to him about that i'm also going to talk about energy Mm -hmm. i got doug white coming on used to be with uh, first electric he'll have some important things to talk about that as well uh but um so,
0: so, what so, do you want to do with the money? Do you want to hold on to it because a recession might be here? So that that's the big question right now is will there be a special session or not to spend the money? Um, we've been very blessed. Uh, the latest numbers I've heard is one point five billion dollars yeah. in, in surplus. Um, uh, you know, we've had a good economy, so that drives some of that. We've had a huge influx of federal money, which also is driving that. Um, and we've conservative budgeting. Our state's uh, uh, revenue stabilization act doesn't allow us to go into debt, so uh, it's the biggest surplus since I've been around. I think it's the biggest surplus i ever been around. Yeah. Uh, and so the question is, do we spend it now? Now, generally, what would happen is you would wait until the, the General Assembly meets in January to figure out how to dole out the money, and part of it would go into our long-term savings account for a rainy day. Part of it would go to roads, and then the rest of it typically would go to one-time projects. Uh, uh, the capital needs a new air conditioning unit or you know, the University of Arkansas needs uh, streets repair, whatever, Right. Uh, because it is just one-time money. And if you get a large enough amount, that's assigned tax cuts. And that's what we've done. Since I've been in, we've cut over a billion dollars in taxes, which right. has been great. Um, so because this one is just so large – we met earlier this year and initiated income tax cuts well because this is so large the governor some of my colleagues are thinking hey well maybe we can bump that timetable up and so that was sort of the main impetus of what the discussions were and then the governor came out and announced a plan to do pay raises for teachers Um, And I've gotten a lot of emails on on that one, mostly from teachers, about uh, increasing their salaries. So over the last four years, we've bumped up their salaries, the minimum salaries, $1,000 a year every year for the last four years. Mm -hmm. This gets a little bit complicated because the teachers are actually employees of the local school district. They're not employees of the state. Correct. So the state sets by law what the minimum salaries are funds to that level everything above that the local school district provides and so when we raise the minimum salary level a thousand dollars a year every year teachers who are already making above that minimum actually didn't see an increase only the ones that were actually at the minimum saw Mm -hmm. an increase and that's what the state funded the governor's proposal was to do a four thousand dollar increase um and i've heard conflicting numbers some say it's gonna be a 300 million dollars i talked to the governor's office last week and they think it's only 150 million dollars the challenge is is this is one-time money so any raises that we do have got to be funded going into the future yeah yeah. and and that's the challenge with this Um, and, of course, I've had constituents ask me about this, and I wholeheartedly agree that we need to do more for our, our teachers. Um, everything that we ask from them, um, you know, teaching is a ministry as much as it is, is, is a, a profession. It's a calling in life, and uh, I appreciate everything they do. And, you know, if you look at someone who has a comparable bachelor's degree, teachers generally make less than that. So, um, But some of my colleagues think we need to wait Okay. Be- I be- your okay. Okay. Right. okay, I want you hold that thought. I got to get a break in. Uh, you know, producers they don't oh, want to make them mad. It, I mean,
2: yeah. Yeah, you don't want to get Heidi on your back. Yeah. I'm just telling you. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Stephen Meeks is with us. We're into an interesting discussion here about you know teacher salaries and things. Come back. Stay with us. The Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, let so let's come back. Let's let's talk about uh, of. of a philosophy and a reality here and that is if they if they start building things building things is well and good mm-hmm. but after they're built you got to take care of them sure so there's additional money just mm-hmm. as you're saying if right. you if you give teachers a uh, $1000 raise and it's the school district's got to come up with that money again mm-hmm. now it's going to
0: impact their budget right right yeah and a lot of the you know the the larger school districts can handle it but a lot of the small ones and especially in the poor areas of our state just can't and so any pay raises that we look at we've got to keep that in mind what is going to be the impact to the local community uh to the local school district and So my understanding under this proposal is the state would bear the full cost of that to try to protect that from from being a reality. Um, But the challenge is right now there's only an idea out there. There's not a bill. And so some of my constituents have asked me, do you support this? And it it, it may sound like I'm being evasive, but I've told them I can't take a position on it simply because there's not – Anything in writing, there's not an actual bill for me to take a position on. And what I don't want to do is say, yes, I'm supportive of this, and then governor calls a special session and we get a bill that is something entirely different or something that has – something that's going to be detrimental to the state, to the teachers, or or whatever, that I can't support – And now all of a sudden, I'm one of those turncoats, liars, flip floppers, Mm -hmm. and so I've learned John Kerry. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so I've I've learned through bitter experience wait until there's a bill and then i can be definitive about whether i'm going to support that's good it. Do, and
2: that's what i would just tell my constituents yeah.
0: and, and you know do i support the idea that we need to do more for our teachers you bet i do i'm actually you know as dave knows i've got a portable planetarium system and science program that i take to schools around the state and mm-hmm. so i probably visit more schools in arkansas than any of my colleagues do because of that and so i see firsthand what our teachers do and they have you know i have their backs full support if we can do a pay raise you bet i'm all for it but until i actually see what's written down the responsible thing for me to do is to say yes i support it but i can't say yes i'm going to vote for something that doesn't exist yet. yeah you don't, it, it, you, you don't know what you'd be voting for exactly well,
2: here's my whole take on a special session. By the time that the governor could get it done, mm-hmm.
0: it'd be it would August, probably be August, probably before he would call five it.
2: Five months from a brand new administration, mm-hmm. we don't need it. Right. I'm right. sorry, you just don't need it. Right. Take that time to study a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, prepare, and talk to the new governor mm-hmm. and
0: see what she wants to do. Right. Right. And that seems to be the feeling of a lot of my a lot of my colleagues. Um, I'm of the mind. I think there's great wisdom in waiting because of inflation, recession. Mm -hmm. Um, But by the same token, if the governor calls and we have the opportunity to lower some taxes and to help our teachers out, so be it. All right. Yep. Let's see. So we'll we'll see what happens there. That's that's a big question mark nobody knows the answer to. But I will say everybody
2: I've had on, Mm -hmm. now that I'm back to having this 9 Mm o'clock hour, everybody has said, no special session. It's the thing to but do is to that's wait. not for them. They, they they say, look, Dave, I can say that. I believe that. But
0: it's up to the governor. It's up to the governor. Yep. governor has the authority. So if he calls a special session, we'll have a special session. And and if he doesn't, then we'll wait until uh, the general session in January to decide how to spend the money. Here, I'll ask the question. So when, it's, when do they start
2: visiting Iowa? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm Some sorry. of them already have. I'm, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sorry, Governor, but it's that's true. Don't <laughs> please don't try to pave your way to the White House by spending money here in the state of Arkansas. I, I, I just <laughs> don't want to see that happen. With that said, let's. Uh, we got just a few moments uh, left, and one of the things that I'm hearing, and it, it really gets me excited. I got mm-hmm. a scarf that hangs up. It says "National School Choice." I have one week. of those. Do you have yeah, one of those? I have one of those. Yeah. One of those yeah. Okay, so I have that hanging up here. Lori brought it to me. Uh, she has fought so diligently for she school has. choice. We've gotten little things done, but it seems to me, from what I'm hearing, that the new governor, Sarah. And the new legislation, uh, legislature that's coming again, has a major appetite mm-hmm. for school choice mm-hmm. and may do like they did in Florida and what they just did in Arizona. Yeah. Let the money follow the student. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. that. People just don't look if if you're dragging around at 49th or whatever. Right. You got to do something different because what you've been doing hasn't been working. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when I'm looking at these primaries and with these Republican primaries, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that the school choice candidates are the ones that are winning. That's a main issue. Especially with what we've seen in some of these other states about uh, parental uh, involvement in the schools and being blocked access. And I read something the other day that one of the New England schools charged a parent $47,000 to have access to the curriculum.
2: Yeah, that was because they
0: just wanted to use FOIA. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, so... uh, Can't do that in Arkansas. There's laws against it. Right. Uh, But these candidates that are defending parents' rights and access to schools, they're the ones that are winning. So, yeah, hopefully that uh, the new General Assembly coming in will be uh, more amenable to uh, doing something along these lines. Last thing I'll say
2: about COVID, a good thing from it, is because parents saw what was being taught Mm -hmm. sometimes
0: in the curriculum, and they were going what mm-hmm. yeah yep. <laughs> you
2: know what
0: Yep. And, and you know we can try to outlaw things like crt and and this was kind of one of my biggest concerns about the whole thing we could outlaw something called crt but the left would just relabel it as something yeah, else and, and a different name yeah and then, and then would completely skirt the whole law and so how do we best defend against that is by parents having access to what's going on in their child's education i'm with you i'm with you Steven Pleasure having you back in here. Yeah, do tell been your,
2: too long. Tell your tell your brother I said hi. We'll do. Yeah, you know, David, makes, is he still working on uh, on uh, sex trafficking?
0: Uh, no, he's actually working for the foster care system now. Okay, all yep. right. Yep. I need to get a hold of him, and and we
2: need to get some people on to talk about that because mm-hmm. with the border being wide open mm-hmm. the way it is, it's a terrible, terrible problem in this country. Definitely, it really is. something we need to. Yep. All right. We'll get, we'll get this together again. Yeah, I enjoyed the visit. In? It's been, yeah, been too it's long. always good. Always good. You're a straight shooter. I like you for that. Stephen Meeks in, state representative, and from the Greenbrier area. I'm done for today. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll have the lieutenant governor on. We'll have Doug White on. We'll have a lot of other people on. Will Joe and Ducca be around? And that's all going to happen at 6 a.m. here on 101.1 FM, The Answer.